Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Special technique of shadow boxing. episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, lead boxing analyst for the Cohort Truth on Sports and also the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You could catch boxing articles on theboxingsource.net. You could also follow the Boxing Source on Twitter at Boxing Source 2. You can also go to Facebook and look up The Boxing Source and follow us there. We're also on Instagram at The Boxing Source. And you can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, which currently is simulcasting this live podcast. Number to dial in is 347-237-5539. Once again, 347 347- Two three seven five five three nine. Press the one key to get on cue. You'll be able to talk live on the show. Um, we're going to have a uh, fairly uh, packed podcast here, as uh, we're going to have a special guest uh, scheduled for eight p.m. Eastern time. And also, we have like one kind of uh, hot topic uh, that has been going about for the past uh, week and a half, maybe more in reference to a a well-known fighter. Uh, But as far as, like, right now, what I wanted to go over is that, you know, this weekend usually is a big weekend in the sport of boxing. Um, You know, it's kind of, like, been like that uh, for a good amount of years. Uh, We know it as. Cinco de Mayo weekend, um, and around this time is usually a big boxing event over in Las Vegas, and there have been a lot of things that have kind of like surrounded that event, um, you know, whether it's something for, you know, um, Oscar De La Hoya or, you know, now with Canelo Alvarez, um, but there also was the instance with Floyd Mayweather Jr. Uh, fighting around that weekend. Uh, around five years ago to the day, uh, we had Floyd Mayweather Jr. versus Manny Pacquiao over at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And that particular fight um, was, you know, billed as the biggest fight in pretty much the past 25 years or so. Um, We all know, you know, what happened with that particular fight. 
Um, and after that fight, um, that was when we fairly had our first uh, test run of this particular podcast. So um, around this time in 2015, that's when the Boxing Source radio show uh, basically started. Uh, so it's going on uh, five years uh, that we have done this particular podcast. Uh, so um, that is, you know, something I've, you know, kind of like thought about here in the past uh, couple of days, but um, I will have some time to reflect on it, uh, but I'll focus on that a little bit more uh, on next week's podcast as I may have uh, a couple things planned uh, for that particular podcast um, as far as like a, you know, reflection um, type of show for that. Um, so that's going to be, you know, in the plans for uh, next week. Um, but also we'll see if we'll have another uh, guest scheduled for next week as well. Uh, but as far as like this particular week is concerned, and when you talk about the sport of boxing and how this weekend usually has all eyes on Las Vegas. And, you know, last year uh, we had, you know, Canelo Alvarez, uh, going up against Daniel Jacobs, um, you know, with him getting a decision win around that time frame. And, uh, you know, now, you know, with the whole thing with the COVID-19, uh, that has, you know, basically nixed the fight that was scheduled between Saul Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders for the WBO Super middleweight championship. So uh, we were, you know, slated to have that fight. Um, that was a fight that, you know, I kind of was looking uh, forward to seeing because it would be something to where I would see um, Canelo Alvarez going up against Billy Joe Saunders with Billy Joe Saunders uh, having the skill set that he has, uh, the defensive um skill set that he has combined with um, fairly effective offense. Uh, so I would have liked to have seen how that would have turned out uh, in this particular bout. You would have had uh, Canelo Alvarez there at, you know, five around five foot eight, um, around a 70-inch uh, wingspan uh, going up against Billy Joe Saunders, who, you know, Billy Joe Saunders – is uh, there as the you know he would come in there with the tall as taller guy at five eleven you know most likely have the longer reach and uh, you'd see you know how we would probably be seeing how that particular fight would turn out uh, especially if um, there's an instance where you know Billy Joe Saunders is able to effectively counter uh, what Canelo Alvarez would be doing in the ring but also with Canelo Alvarez being a very good um, offensive uh, fighter, we would also see what Billy Joe Saunders may have been able to do in that particular instance. So um, that is one thing that we are going to pretty much miss out on as uh, that fight has basically been next. And uh, we're going to have in the future that's planned uh, September 12th, 
Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin. And that will be the third fight between uh, Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin. Uh, so going to, you know, basically uh, look ahead to that for the time being. Um, as as far as I'm concerned uh, with uh, Billy Joe Saunders now, with this fight being next, should be something to see what happens when uh, things pick up. Because, one, uh, you're going to have the instance where, you know, these guys are, you know, inching at the bits to be in the ring and to fight. But with the way that things are kind of like um, set for how events are being done, um, it may be a little bit of a time before you have fights of that magnitude actually taking place because you'll need the crowd, the, the ample crowd available in order to get the revenue that they want for those fights. Um, you know, Canelo fights generate you know a good amount of uh, you know revenue at the gate. Um, they get you know stuff from their uh, subscribers uh, from the zone, and also you know with um, pay-per-view orders that are you know outside of the U.S. Uh, there. So you would have had you know the uh, money from the zone subscriptions for that particular fight. And you would have had uh, the pay-per-view uh, orders or the pay-per-view buys uh, that you know that would have came out from the UK and abroad uh, for that fight between Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders. But now, since that fight is now scrapped, that revenue is you know basically out the window. And now uh, we have to see if that fight will be pushed back to a later date as with Canelo Alvarez, you had the plan of him fighting Billy Joe Saunders around this time, then in September, fighting Gennady Golovkin, and then after that, um, the plan was to fight Ryota Murata before the end. Um, so, you know, that's what we got um, in reference to that with uh, Canelo Alvarez and Billy Joe Saunders, and uh, you also, you know, had a couple of events that are tied into that fight week. Um, you know, you had the had the Box Fan Expo that's usually taking place around that time um, in Las Vegas. So you would have had a lot of boxing legends and current uh, boxers out there that would have been over in Las Vegas to uh, be part of that, um, you know, basically the hoopla. Uh, around that particular weekend. So, you know, one of the biggest uh, boxing weekends has basically been next, um, you know, because of the uh, current situation, you know, around the world. And But, you know, when it comes to, you know, Canelo Alvarez, this is basically the second time within the two-year time span that there has not been an event on Cinco de Mayo weekend over in Las Vegas. We all know what happened back in uh, that uh, 2018 thing where, you know, he had the whole little thing with the, you know, Mexican meat and stuff like that. Um, but that kind of, you know, fell through um, with the initial fight that he was supposed to have with Gennady Golovkin at that time. And then it got rescheduled to uh, September of that year with 
Canelo Alvarez getting the decision win at that particular instance. But now here with the whole thing that's going on, you can't you can't really have uh, fights of that magnitude uh, taking place right about now. You know we had the whole thing that went down in uh, Alexis Arguello and Jim on uh, the previous weekend, uh, but you know when it comes to trying to get revenue. Um, you can't necessarily hold a fight of that magnitude around this particular time. So uh, that's what, you know, we have is the current situation right now as, you know, that fight uh, is basically, you know, fell through and we have to see what is next in store uh, for Canelo Alvarez and then also uh, for Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, we know the whole thing that went down with Billy Joe Saunders recently um, as far as like his uh, comments uh, that he had on social media, and uh, that was you know something that you know I've taken the time to uh, speak about um, you know on this podcast and then also on the YouTube channel. Uh, so uh, that is you know one thing that's I've talked about and kind of like pretty much laid to rest, so to speak, uh, there. So. Uh, that's what uh, we have um, in reference to that particular news. Um, so one other thing that I wanted to like kind of touch on uh, before we try to get our uh, guests on, um, it seems like um, Adam Kalnaki, uh looks like he wants to uh, get revenge on his only loss that he's had in his pro career. Uh, that was, you know, over at the Barclays Center uh, on March 7th, where he took on Robert Hellenius. And, you know, Robert Hellenius was able to, you know, get the win and stop Adam Kalnaki, uh in front of, you know, the crowd at uh, Barclays Center. That was, you know, pretty much the last large crowd that was in the New York City area uh, for a boxing event uh, before the whole thing with the lockdown and stuff like that. They were supposed to have um, two events scheduled under top-ranked boxing um, involving Shakur Stevenson in one event and Mick Collin in another event, but they canceled all of that, and we haven't had a you know live boxing event in America since then. Uh, but you know with uh, Adam Karnaki says that, you know, um, he's, you know, viewing his last fight and says, like, you know, your whole career is based on the last fight, um, you know, that he told uh, Ray Flores and the uh, Instagram live that they had recently had. Uh, you know, he says that he just has to come back stronger and move past the, you know, last fight. Um now, he also, you know, is trying to see if he could get himself in a uh, position to fight Andy Ruiz Jr., the former unified heavyweight champion of the world. Um, and that would be an interesting matchup, um, to say the least, um, between those two guys that um, they would be, you know, able to get those two guys uh, together on that. Um, but, you know, with – Kalnaki and how he fights, 
uh, you know, I, I really saw something in that particular fight against Robert Hellenius, and that is, you know, what would happen if Adam Kalnaki ran into somebody that had power, real power behind their punch? As, you know, a lot of the guys that he faced, the likes of the, um, you know, the uh, Charles Martin, he had this fight with Charles Martin. Uh, he had this fight with Joe Washington. He had this fight with uh, Chris Ariola. Um, and, you know, many of those, you know, a good number of those fighters that he did face uh, didn't really have uh, much behind their punches. Um, so, you know, with, with that being said, it was, you know, kind of, Interesting to see how, you know, Robert Hellenius was able to stand in there with Adam Kalnaki and then hit him with, you know, good right hand that that put him down that didn't get counted. Um, but then he was able to knock him down um, in round in that round four and then eventually stop uh, Adam Kalnaki to get that TKO victory. Uh, but you know when um, Kalnaki fought, you know, uh, you know, Spilka. He fought Arthur Spilka. He fought um, what else did he have over in the Barclays Center? Uh, he had that fight against uh, Jesse Barbosa, uh, and he was actually there. And I forgot about this one. He was there um, in that fight against Danny Kelly um, in the same card where. Charles Martin won the IVF title, and Deontay Wilder retained the WBC title over Archer Spoka. So he had been, you know, within that Brooklyn area, fighting in that Brooklyn area for, oh, man, it's been at least, what, four, four years plus? Five, you know, five years. So that had basically been his home uh, to – you know, have his fights and, you know, build his following there with the uh, Polish community over in the New York City area and, and uh, um, over in New Jersey, too. Um, and then uh, over in that fight, the latest fight at the Barclays Center, he just wasn't able to take the punch from Robert Hellenius. And so um, that's going to be a concern for Adam Kalnaki from this point forward is if he's going to be able to take a punch because he doesn't really move his head at all. He just throws punches and just comes forward and throws punches and throws punches and keeps coming at you. But if you're able to throw something back at him and it's something that could sting him, he in trouble. He in real trouble. Um, so as far as like him wanting to rematch with Robert Hellenius, that's one thing. But if he really can't get himself to either block punches or, you know, do something to dodge punches that are coming at him, he's going to have a problem with uh, those um, guys that, you know, really want to focus on uh, throwing the right hand against them. And so um, I see here in this particular instance that as long as Robert Hellenius had that confidence behind the right hand and that it could hurt uh, Adam Kalnaki, that's how he was able to get the knockdown and get the stoppage in round four. And I think, you know, it was pretty much a action-packed fight for those last couple of rounds uh, there before the stoppage. And 
Um, you know, that's what Adam Kalnacki kind of does in his fights, but um, there's got to be in one particular instance where, you know, he's going to have to adjust his game a little bit um, in order to um, fare better against some of these guys because if he doesn't, uh, then he's going to be in a lot of trouble against um, some of these heavyweights. So uh, that's what, you know, I got in reference to, you know, that particular topic there with uh, Adam Kalnacki and kind of like seeing what would, you know, potentially happen uh, with that uh, later on down the line. Um, now, there is uh, something in reference to uh, Dylan White um, potentially saying that he would be open to uh, fighting behind closed doors in this current uh, position. Um, uh, he says, like, you know, he said he will do it behind closed doors or in the car park as far as, like, fighting or going into a boxing match. Now, he, you know, was slated to um, fight Alexander Povetkin around this same time um, or the same weekend. Uh, but, you know, we have the whole thing with, all of these events being canceled. So um, that has the thing to where we have to see where, when they're going to actually schedule his fight between him and Alexander Pebekin, which is a fairly intriguing uh, heavyweight fight um, at this particular juncture. Um, we did talk about, you know, him possibly fighting Andy Ruiz Jr., but, you know, we went through that whole thing, and, you know, Eddie Hearn kind of broke that down uh, over at uh, IFL TV interview. So uh, that fight, you know, wasn't going to be in the cards. And now we have plans for, you know, Dylan White, and it seems like we have uh, plans for Andy Ruiz Jr. as well. Um, but, you know, with um, Dylan White, he kind of hopes that uh, things will get back into a gear in July um, as, you know, kind of like a few things have started to, you know, open up and get more of the uh, general public out and about uh, after, you know, this whole thing has, you know, gone through. But, you know, still people are kind of precautious as to when they're going out, how long they're going out, and things like that. So uh, with that being said, and, how we're having more live events that are starting to happen across the world, around the world, then maybe we'll see more things uh, get back into a gear uh, within the next four weeks or so, uh, depending on how, you know, certain governments and things like that uh, handle um, large-scale events or live events uh, there. So with uh, Dylan White saying that, you know, he's open to fighting anywhere, anytime, uh, any place. But when it comes to fights of the magnitude, like against Alexander Povetkin, which could have been, what was it, at the um, O2 Arena, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that would have, you know, generated some good revenue for that particular fight as well. So um, as far as, like, him fighting Alexander Povetkin in a closed circuit or, you know, with no fans, I'm not sure about all of that. Uh, so that's, you know, going to be pretty much – on the t on the table for the time being um, until we see uh, what happens. Um, you know, we kind of like said that 
I think uh, Eddie Hearn said that, you know, they will return in July with uh, a couple of small events and then want to get some of the big events away. Um, and, you know, with the whole thing as far as, like, the travel restrictions are concerned, uh, you will be having more local, you know, fights happening. Um, in, in his case, or with uh, National Boxing's case there, they're talking about fights over in the U.K. It would involve U.K. fighters and matching up U.K. fighters uh, there. Uh, but also that could happen, you know, over in the U.S. as well. Um, you know, try to have those uh, fighters that have, you know, or trying to be active or stay active, see if they could be put into a fight uh, here in the U.S. as well. Um now, as far as, like, you know, traveling and that type of stuff, you know, you've got to be able to uh, get through all of that first uh, to um, make those fights happen and make sure that, you know, everything is permitted to go through with that. Um, but once that does happen, then uh, you'll be able to have what you want uh, as far as, like, some fights are concerned. Um, did talk about it at one point in a uh, live video a couple of days ago in that you have an opportunity to try to get some of the smaller fighters that are looking for opportunities to get in the ring and showcase their skills in the ring. This is the time to do so. I mean, if you have this overall demand for live content in that you know that you don't, have the ability to have the big fights uh, happen as far as like the, like I said, the Dylan White versus Alexander Quebec and stuff, um, Anthony Joshua versus Kubrat Pulev, uh, the Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury, even though like both of those fighters are still, you know, based in the U.S. right now, you can't have those fights to that magnitude because of the amount of interest that it would take or that it would have. So you would have, you know, the live gate that you would lose if you were trying to do something like that right now. So if you're not going to try, if you don't want to lose that live gate, then okay, you could push those events much later this year. But as for this time right now or for the next four to eight weeks, see if you can have some of these uh, local fighters or local um, venues be able to have uh, these type of fights if if they get the permission to do so um, because, you know, what happens over in one state here in the U.S. is completely different than what happens in another state. You could have something happen over in Florida. That doesn't mean that it's the same case over in Maryland or in Michigan or in, uh, you know, Oklahoma or something like that. Maybe you could have those fights in North Dakota or something. Uh, who knows? But you would probably have to have people driving over to uh, North Dakota or something like that um, in order for fights like that to uh, take place, maybe. So uh, that's what we have, you know, going on for the time being is that uh, you have to see what goes down as far as, like, how are these fights going to be arranged once things start to slowly uh, get back to, I wouldn't say normal, but back to at least a level that you would have some events going on 
um, to where, you know, people will be able to watch first on, you know, TV or whatever it is, and also events that people will be able to attend. Um, we can't necessarily have it uh, to the point where, you know, we had like, what was it, last month, um, WrestleMania, where they were able to conduct all of their matches over in pretty much one uh, small venue, and with the exception of, you know, this certain match that happened that a lot of people were talking about. Um, but other than that, they were able to hold all of their matches in that one particular arena or um, sporting venue. Um, but then, you know, after that, you still have to see if they'll be able to get something to the point where they'll be able to have fans uh, in the stands, kind of like the level of what we were talking about last week where, you know, over in Nicaragua they had their uh, fights that did uh, happen um, to the point where they had, who is it, like, uh, I think it was like about 1,000 1, or 2,000 people in there uh, watching the fight or something like that. Um, but, you know, they still had like a few fights uh, that went down uh, before uh, they kind of just said, all right, we're going to just have these few fights. And then once, you know, things are a little bit safer, then we'll start having a little bit more uh, fights on the fight cards and, and things like that. So that's kind of like how this thing is being uh, basically handled. Uh, out there. Um, uh, for those that are, you know, listening in uh, live, uh, you could also call in to talk boxing at 347-237-5539. That's 347-237-5539. Uh, press the one key to get on cue, and you'll be able to talk live on the show. I'm going to see if uh, we could have our guests to uh, call in. Uh, here uh, in a moment, and then uh, once they do uh, call in, then we'll be able to uh, go forward with our um, our interview uh, there. So um, that's pretty much what we're waiting on, uh, seeing if they will be able to uh, call in. And uh, once they uh, do call in, then uh, we'll be able to handle you know, our uh, interview here. Um, this is, um, you know, one thing that I wanted to get in because um, kind of uh, saw, you know, a comment from this uh, person that kind of struck some interest uh, out there. Um, and, you know, one of uh, my good friends uh, that has been, um, you know, one of the biggest contributors to this podcast over uh, the course of the five years that has been in existence, uh, they have been able to, you know, get me to connect with a lot of the um, fighters that I do conduct interviews with on this particular podcast. Um, so he, like, you know, reached out to me to uh, see if I could uh, get in contact uh, with uh, this particular person. Uh, so... You know, with that being said, um, I'm going to see um, if they are um, available 
uh, here at this particular juncture. So um, let me see if I can uh, have them on uh, here in just a moment. So uh seems like uh, they are on here right now. Um, this is our guest. And before I uh, put them on, just like to, you know, give a small little uh, bio. Um, you know, she is uh, coming from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, she has a 113 amateur record uh, just now. Um, going into the process of turning pro, a four-time national champion uh, there, and that is Miss Tika Hemingway. Uh, Tika, how are you doing this evening? Hey, what's going on? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, sis. I'm doing good. Uh, glad to have you on the show here. <laughs> Just wanted to, you know, talk about a few things. Uh, uh, see that you um, had just signed to – you know, be part of the pro rank. So uh, if you can, just go into that a little bit. Oh, yeah, so um, definitely. So so uh, I'm a elite amateur. I'm coming out of amateurs. I did have a, a record of 113, four-time national champion. Um, I just uh, I just turned pro. I signed a good, a good contract with Split T. Um, and I have a manager, Brian Cohen, and I'm basically just here, you know, in the pros now, and I'm just like ready to just, you know, just make my mark, let people know who I am, and to just take these titles and take these belts and take these names. Basically. Gotcha. Now, uh, seeing that you, you know, had that extensive uh, record in the amateurs, um, you know, seeing that. You know, you, you know, you were a four-time national champion, had, uh, you know, competed in the Olympic trials. So uh, you have been involved with uh, fights with a lot of uh, notable fighters that are out there that are currently pros right now. Um, you know, I've gone into, you know, some of them as like uh, Franchon Cruz Desern is one, Raquel Miller is another. Um, and uh, Clarissa Shields is another. Um, so that was, you know, a very deep and talented uh, class that was uh, part of that. Um, that was part of that um, amateur team. Yeah, um, it was. We actually had the uh, the A team. You know, we had like that was like that Chicago Bulls era. You know, that that small few years that we all, you know. We're boxing. That was that was the Chicago Bulls era. But um, yeah, I beat. Well, I didn't get this this uh, the decision against Clarissa Shields, but we'll get into that later. But um, mm-hmm. I beat Franchon Cruz numerous times in amateurs. Um, I beat Raquel Miller numerous times in amateurs. Um, so it's like basically everyone right now who has a belt, I beat them. So I'm just I'm just ready. I'm just I'm just ready. I'm um, in 2012, so let me give you a little bit more of like a, a background history, and like mm-hmm. to to um to give you a little bit of understanding of like why me turning pro is so historic and momentous. Momentous. Okay. Um. So in 2012, in 2012, I fought Clarissa Shields in the finals in Olympic trials. All right, and then you know she she got the decision. 
and she went off to Olympics in 2012. Then in 2016, same thing. Me and her fought in the finals in Olympic trials. They gave her the decision, and she went off to mm-hmm. Olympics again. So, and then in 2020, I tried. I stayed around to only go to the Olympics because Clarissa was gone, and you know it was my time. So right. I um so I fought in the Olympic trial qualifiers and I won. And then at night, in the middle of the night, we get a phone call from you know USA Boxing, Mike McAtee, you know the whole nine yards, and they overturned my fight. So wow. So that's crazy. So basically, you know, it prevented me from going to Olympic Games. But if you think about it, I mean, it's a blessing in disguise because of the coronavirus is, is going on right now. I will have to wait another year for the Olympics. And also, they just set me up with a million-dollar storyline going into the pros. So thank you, USA Boxing. Uh, yeah, so, you understand? Yeah, Yep, yep. Right. So 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 basically y'all just y'all just set me up with a million dollar storyline. Like the top the top grossing female boxer is Clarissa Shield. In two thousand twelve I fought her in Olympic trial qualifiers. Blah blah blah. Sixteen, same thing. Then this happened in two thousand twenty. So basically you know, y'all just set me up for the money. The money flight. They don't even know it. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah, now, yeah, I was going to, you know, go into, you know, that a uh, little bit later. Um, and I think that, like, I have pulled up, um, let me see what the, these results was. This is kind of, uh, yeah, this is like in 2015, um, you know, where, you know, I got into the thing where you, you know, defeated the likes of Franchon Cruz and, um, you know, Raquel Miller uh, up in the Olympic trials that, you know, and then you had the, you know, a fight with uh, Clarissa Shields there. So, um, like I said, I mean, you have Franchon Cruz. That's, you know, one, you know, one uh, world title, the super middleweight. Um, you have uh, Raquel Miller, who, you know, I've actually had on uh, the podcast earlier. Um, that's, you know, going to be competing uh, for a world title later on down the line. And now it's your turn going into the pros to be like, you know, say that, hey, this is my time. I'm ready right now. So it's my time. And the thing is, you want to know something? Like, it's weird because I've been, I've been being nice. I swear I've been being nice. Like, I just, I stayed around for the Olympics because I felt like, you know, I was, the, I'm the best athlete, and I was, and I still am the best athlete for that position at the time. But you know, they overturned my fight, which you know, well, you know what they did to me. That you know, you know that doesn't yeah. happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, they overturned my fight in the middle of the night. I'm getting ready for my next fight the next day, chilling yeah. in bed, thinking about what I'm going to do to this girl. And we get phone, we're getting phone calls left and right. So, but um, I, I forgot what I was saying. You messed me up. Uh, no, as as far as like uh, you know, I guess for with that kind of like being motivation, like you said, of going pro. You know what? So so I had to, I had to turn pro after that because that was recent. You know, I didn't make the Olympic team, so basically what happens after that, you turn pro. And I'm done with y'all because y'all return my fight. I'll never fight amateur again. It was just I was tur- I'm turned off from the amateur program. So, you know, mm-hmm. I turned pro. And and I was being nice because 
like Franchon, it's like I know these women, and and they're they're some of them are my friends. So mm-hmm. I I wanted her to keep their belts a little bit longer before I turned pro. I know that's weird, but uh-huh. I didn't want to take their belts off of them so soon. Well, the you thing with uh, friends, yeah, that was that was kind of a little bit of a situation there, and uh, she did get one of those belts back, but. Uh, there's some guy by the name of Mauricio Suleiman that's kind of tripping about that other belt, but uh, that's you know a whole you know another story right there. I'm gonna see if um you know I got like a uh, caller in here from the six four six. He is known as the president of the Deontay Wilder Fan Club, uh, Mr. Matthew Brown. You're here with Tika Hemingway on the Boston Sports Radio Show. Hey, how you doing, Jr.? It's been a while. How you doing, Tika? I'm good. Uh, uh, I, I just I wanted to ask. I was listening to um, your 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 words. You know, you're very eloquent in, in talking about how you're entering the sport of boxing and the stuff that happened with you during the two Olympic trials. But I'm actually curious as to one of the things you said. Um, you said that they gave Clarissa Shields a decision against you in the Olympic uh, trial finals. Like, the way you said it made it seem like you felt like you kind of deserved the decision. Is that, like, an accurate depiction on what you were trying to say? Um, 100%. Yeah. Yep, 100%. Um, there have been many times where I fought Clarissa, and they've given her the decision in the amateurs. And, you know, like, I'm one of those deep type of people, and I've always known that they clearly robbed me when they did give her the decision. But this last time around when they, in the middle of the night, y'all overturned my fight where y'all just blatantly, you know, like just blatantly robbed me, then that that's, that's, that's when I just knew. You know what I mean? Like, they've been robbing me for years. So, but it's okay because it's giving me the fire. It's giving me the motivation. And it's giving me just like the amazing storyline, and my fans love me and are sticking with me, and they just want to see me win. So, I mean, I'm very optimistic, and everything happens for a reason. And I'm kind of happy with what happened because it's setting it's setting me up for a greater comeback, which is uh, going to happen later. Wow. Um, so, what's the what's the, the but yeah, I was definitely out robbed. of the gate. If you're asking me, was I robbed? Yes, I was robbed. What's the game plan out of the gate now that you now that you've turned pro? Do you have anyone that you're looking to fight um, to start your career off with a bang? Um, basically, uh, we have a plan. We have a plan, and we're just gonna just execute the plan. I just want you know you to just kind of follow me and kind of just like just you know follow me and watch the journey because I don't want to like tell too much of the plan, but if you mm-hmm. just watch, you'll see it unravel, and you'll know that it was amazing. Like, I got, I'm going to be a champion. You'll see. Everybody will see it. The world will see it. Gotcha. Now, before I, like, kind of go into um, this uh, comment that um, I did see um, a couple days ago, there's, like, a couple of things that I usually ask um our guests that come on the show. Um, one of them is like what either what or who like motivated you the most to get into boxing? 
Okay. So, um, nobody, it wasn't a person, it wasn't like a boxer. It was my first coach. His name was Shelton Stoudemire. Um, he was a minister. He was a street minister. So, uh, whenever I met him and, you know, I, I got under his tutelage, you know, he taught me how to box and he taught me everything he knew about boxing and, you know, I won my first nationals with five fights. My first nationals championship with five fights. And then you know, I got on Team USA and I've been, you know, traveling the world ever since because of him putting the work in and the time and with me, you know, when I was 17, you know, doing my, you know, making all those sacrifices for me. So, you know, Shell and Sotomayor, he's dead now. He just died this year. He was he was murdered. He was uh, assassinated at work. It was crazy. Man, jeez. Yep, it was crazy. It was all over the news. Um, he worked at a homeless shelter. A man tried to get in at three o'clock in the morning. He told the guy that he'll help him, but he has to come back at seven o'clock when they open. Blah blah blah. And the guy shot through the door and killed him. So, yep. So that's my first coach. That's my motivation. That's the person who got me started in boxing. That's the person who, you know, showed me the sport and made me fall in love. So he's gone. He just died. I know he's watching over me. I got these. I got the best coaches in the world. I got my guardian angel up in heaven. You know what I mean? Like I have everything it takes. To do whatever I want. And I don't know if you see what I look like. Did you did you see the um did you do you know what I look like? Cause I'm kind of cute too. Yeah, yeah, I got I got one of these pictures. I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to uh back. I'm gonna send it to. Check out. I don't know if you got any pictures of me. Cause I don't have any cute pictures up there. <laughs> you're right. You're you're already not in my recon, man. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. You're right. You already know that, man. <laughs> yeah, baby. But yeah, well, I'm kind of um, cute too. So like, people, people know. So you see, this is what's going on. I'm like, I'm, I'm a secret. I'm, I'm, I'm a secret in boxing. I'm a secret in women's boxing. That's that's about to be told. You know what I mean? So that's what's going on. Like that's that's the that's what you feel in the air right now. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, let me see if I have um, another caller in here from the 813 area code. You're on uh, with Tika Hemingway on the Boxing Source Radio Show. Hey, what's up, Tika? This is uh, Terrell calling from Tampa, and I already hear my man Matt on the phone. So, Tika, my name is Terrell and not Terrell. Come on, Terrell. Don't say that, man. Don't say that, Terrell. Come on, man. Here we go. <laughs> But now, real good, just, just real quick, just, just once again, uh, glad to be on the show. Uh, glad to be introduced to the world of Tika. Anyway, uh, just jump on your Twitter, look at your uh, Instagram. Oh, no, my Twitter sucks. My Twitter sucks, too. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> I favor Facebook. I favor Facebook. I favor Facebook. Okay. But, yeah, just, just once again, glad to be introduced to your world uh, in, in terms of boxing, uh, seeing some of your training regimens. Glad that you're dedicating your body to the sport. That's always good to see. Uh, in some cases, you have people getting extremely out of weight outside of fights, but uh, once again, you're, you're dedicated to your craft. I can definitely see that. Just want to get to know you right now. But uh, 
Glad to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you too. Yeah, follow me. Follow me on like Facebook because like I'm popping on Facebook and then blah blah. blah. I got to get everything else together, but it'll get there. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, I'll uh, yeah, I'll link them to uh, you know your Facebook page because since you said your, your Twitter, yeah, hit me up on Facebook and you'll see more. Ain't right now. Ah, <laughs> so uh, my Twitter, my Twitter is the worst. <laughs> my Twitter is the worst. My Instagram is worse after that. But Facebook's hey, cool. Hey. Facebook's good. Yeah, but, but, well, well. See, since it's since it's turning pro, we could, you know, we could see, we could make with, you know, a good PR team so that we have, you know, all of those uh, social media accounts all on. on you know, all on on tracking right now. So that it could Look, so the I can't, Twitter, I can't. Twitter, could catch up with Facebook. Is that what you do? Oh, oh me. I mean I can't like me, I can't necessarily do all of that because uh I you know, I got I definitely I mean, I probably could, but we'll, we'll, we'll my team wants my my team that. wants yeah, my team they want my uh my social media. So they, they want it they want it all. So I'm just gonna just I think you just gave me the, the motivation to relinquish control and let them take care of it. Because so they want they want my Twitter, they want my Instagram mm-hmm. and there's another one. But they they like how I do my Facebook, but they want all that so mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it to them well, I'm gonna tell them. Well, I mean the Facebook handle that, you know, on your own, because that's pretty much, like, more of your personal page until you, you know, you could have, like, some other uh, page that can yeah. be done, but, like, with Instagram and, and, and Twitter, you could, you know, have your, um, that could be used for promotion, you know what I mean, so. Yeah, because that's what they want, they want that, they they, yeah. they keep on asking me, like, look, give me your password, and I keep on saying no, but I'm going to give it something tonight, since. <laughs> You guys want to, you know, call me out and everything. But that's good. I'm glad I'm glad you guys did on that. I mean, you only got, like, two Twitter posts, one from, like, 2015. I was like, um, does this girl really exist? I was like. <laughs> I know, man. But look, uh, go on Facebook, though. You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. And then when you see my Facebook, I want an apology. No, just say just say hi. Just say hi to me <laughs> in my inbox after you see my Facebook. That's hey, real quick, yeah. she could just be aware there's just a, a thing called Boxing Twitter. That's a whole big world there for exposure as well. So please, please take advantage of that. Definitely. Boxing Twitter? Well, it's, it's, just, it's just a little small uh, scope of Twitter. I mean, it's Twitter, but it's a, a big boxing world. Yeah. People on I'm going to get a hook that. I'm going to get a hook that. Give me like a week and I'll and I'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, you know, my other question, you know, that I usually ask is, you know, going into a book. So, is there like any book that you, um, you know, kind of like um, reference or like to read? Any books? Yes. Um, you know what? No, I'm reading something right now, but it's not like anything that I would want to reference or anything. It's it's mm-hmm. a book from uh, Paulo Coelho. He uh he's a British author. No, not British. He's a he's an author from Brazil, I think. 
and uh, it's called from the from the river of Piedra. I sat down and wept. So that's the book I'm reading right now. So it's it's like really philosophical, and you know it's about mm-hmm. like you know life and like you know things that you go through in life and the lessons that that you learn and and stuff like that. So I'm into like philosophical and like you know books that like teach you and, and mold you. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm into. So, so, so it's by the, by the river Piedra, I sat down and wet by Paulo. No, Paolo. I'm not promoting that book. I'm going to promote the Bible. That's what I'm going to promote. I'm going to promote, uh, <laughs> you know what? My mom called me, right? My mom called me right last night. And she calls me, and she just says crazy stuff sometimes, and then she'll just be done. She'll just hang up. And I just, I think it's weird, but when I think about it, I'm like, that was, like, that was, that was profound. So last night, I was, um, I was, uh, doing, like, I was reaching out to, you know, these sponsors and blah, 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 and I'm getting major hits. I'm getting major hits on, on the amount of money that I wanted, blah, blah, you know what I mean, business stuff. So, so, uh, I was sitting there and I was talking to myself and I was like, you know what? I should have been reached out to these people, but I was always scared. I was always fearful. I always, I didn't, you know what I mean, think that I would get what I wanted out of them. And I just was always mm-hmm. like fear, you know, motivated me. Like fear, fear was like big outside of boxing or whatever for me. So I didn't do a lot of things that I needed to do. So anyway, I'm getting what I want to get right now. And all I'm doing is just asking for it. So I was sitting and reflecting on I should have did this a long time ago. So she called me and she was she said one thing. And my family calls me Tiki and she said, um, Tiki, uh, I just wanna tell you this and I don't know why, but she said he asked not he have not because he asked not. That's what she said to me. That's all. He has not because he asked not. And she and she hung up. Like she basically said, "All right, I'll talk to you later." I hung up. And then I reflected more, and I was like, "You know what, man? Like, that's true. Like, a lot of people really want stuff in life, and you know, they put the work in, blah blah. blah but you don't be asking for it. You don't you don't ask for it. Like, you gotta ask. Like, if you got a relationship with God, you gotta ask for. You know what I mean? What you want and put the work in. And I don't promote books or anything, but I'll promote that that bit of, um, you know, positivity and just, you know, just advice. Like, you got to ask for what you want. The closed mouth don't get fed. In business, right. in life, in spirituality, in boxing, you know what I mean? You got to you gotta get out there, right? You have yep, not because yeah. you have not. A closed, a closed mouth don't get fed. So. Yep, you got to go out there and get it. You can't just wait for how you gonna be a millionaire? You ain't you ain't talking about millionaire stuff. You ain't saying yourself up to be a millionaire, blah 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 blah. So that just right. motivated me even more, and it gave somebody like me confirmation that uh, uh, it's over. It's over. It's over. Like if I put the work in and I keep on being a good person, can't nobody touch me. Cause you already damn sure can't touch me in the ring. So. And in life, you know what I mean. I'm a good person outside. I'm a badass in the ring, so it's gonna be crazy whenever this coronavirus is up. They better have a freaking. 
they 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 looking for um a cure for the coronavirus. They need to be looking for a cure for Tika Hemingway. Hmm. Oh, I was gonna uh, go. I, I got a I got a question for her, Jr. Um, oh, go go ahead. If you don't mind me asking. Um, go ahead. I noticed that you were one of the chief sparring partners for Ivana Habazine going into her fight with uh, Clarissa Shields in January. Um, what was it like being in the camp? And do you have any insight as to what was the game plan that you brought to the camp to, you know, try to attempt to give Clarissa her first professional loss? Okay. All right. So, the game plan that well, what I brought to the camp was. Uh, all right. So let me give you. Let me let me paint the picture a little bit for you. So, in Croatia. All right. So in America, there's all different types of people, right? All different types. So in Croatia, there's not. There's only white people. And. You you don't see any black people at all, so so it's just that, and it's just like so so I brought I brought like I brought Flavor. Clarissa to, to, to I, I brought I brought basically Clarissa to, to I, I I brought I brought swag I brought speed I brought freaking dog I brought freaking just gutterness um, I brought skill to, to the camp. Uh, I brought knowledge of who she was fighting. I fought Clarissa numerous times, so I had knowledge, and, you know, I was able to, you know, help her coaches make the adjustments on certain things and to give them advice on what they should and should not do. So, you know, I was very beneficial to, you know, the camp uh, of Ivana Habazin's camp. Um, they, she never, they never, a lot of these European fighters, they don't, they don't see they don't see fighters like us in America. So so a lot of these um, superstar athletes that are from other countries should still be amateur in America, if you know what I mean. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. But, yeah. So I just brought just knowledge, skill. You know, just I brought I brought Philly to Croatia, but I'm from Pittsburgh. So I have a question for you on that same note that Matt posed to you. So once you were probably going to camp, do they want you to fight or some way they expect for you to fight exactly like the opponent, or do they even go as far as to tell you they want you to fight left-handed or, or, or orthodox or whatever, or just just show that certain style instead of just being yourself? Because obviously while you may be able to have that, that passion, that Clarissa Shields may have, you're not her. So once again, do they tell you to fight exactly like her? Do they go that far? No, because what 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 don't I have, and what these what security what superiority does she have? I'm Clarissa's fast. I'm fast. I'm fast too. I'm strong. Like I'm a dog. She's a dog. You know what I mean? Like so. What superiority does she have that that somebody else doesn't bring? You know what I mean? Like I brought the same thing that she has. Like I'm the closest thing to 
I'm I'm the only person that will be Clarissa Shields. Can't nobody fucking be Clarissa Shields. Savannah Marshall cannot be Clarissa Shields. This is why Savannah Marshall can't be Clarissa Shields. Because I'm only athlete. They kept us so separate that they kept us so close. USA Boxing. I was in camp all the time with all the elite females in the world. They kept us together. People don't know this. But they kept me together. They kept me, Clarissa, Savannah Marshall, and a few other fighters all together. We all trained together. Savannah Marshall had a heart. She she don't have the heart to beat Clarissa Shields. That was a one and done thing. That was a one and done thing. She don't have a heart. They'll fight. Clarissa will beat her. Savannah will look dumb and everybody will be like, Oh my God. That's not the one that y'all want. Y'all want to see it, but it's not going to happen. As far as it's not going to be the result that y'all think, because Savannah Marshall does not have the heart. She's scared. She's too scared. She's 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 way scary. I'm not the first. Yeah, it looks gonna like they 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 bring her her along real slow in the program in the program right now. What what I just say? What I just say? I I don't need to know why. I don't need to know why. They bring, they doing that. They doing that because I know why. Like I'm, like these girls are like we grew up together. That's why we're so passionate. Like when I talk about another fighter, it's say if I fight, you know Joanne McKill from North Carolina. I'm a. It's everything's gonna be good. I'm a. I'm a beater, and it's gonna be no bad blood. It's gonna be good sportsmanship with Clarissa and some of these other fighters. We were raised together in USA Boxing, and people don't know that. But Savannah Marshall, she don't have heart. She don't have heart. She won't beat Clarissa. I saw it. I saw it with my own ass. That was a one-and-done thing. It will never happen again. Mm. Now I'm going to be the one that, that's going to beat her. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, you, you did say uh, last week, that you will beat the blank out of Clarissa Shields in the pros and that you have mm-hmm. way more power than Clarissa and that you will knock her out. Hey! Uh, finish your hand. I think it's how I drag her too, right? Oh, well, yeah, you, yeah. You didn't read that part. I said I'll drag her too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You said that you yes. drag her. Yeah, that's what you said. Yeah, I said, I said all that. I said all that. And this is why. This is why I said I'll drag her, and this is why I said all that, because people are fucking, people are scared. People are, people are not trying to open up their mouths. Like, y'all let this girl freaking come in on y'all and just bully all of y'all. She just took freaking three, four people's titles and different weight classes, just dogging all of y'all, talking all types of stuff, freaking just just making all of y'all cry, just just bullying y'all, and nobody ain't saying nothing. So y'all all that scared. So what do you do to a bully? You punch him in the fucking mouth. That's what you do. And that's what I'm going to do to her. And the pros, they're not going to protect her. In the amateur, she was protected. I'll win, clearly, and you know what I mean? Boom. Clarissa Shields is the winner. You know what I mean? Like, I just want everybody to know that I'm, I'm, well, I just want her to know that when we fight, it's going to be a fight. That's all. Like, and I want people to get interested now. 
Like, that's the money fight. It's not Layla. It's not Savannah. Savannah don't have a heart. Layla really don't want to fight. She's acting. We all know, but we all we all know, but we all acting like we don't know. Yeah, because I had uh, Raquel Miller on a few weeks ago, and she also wanted that smoke with Clarissa Shields and the pros too. Um, so it's gonna be you know pretty much a race to get to get out of, and um, I I know that this is not you know good for a specific caller that's on right now. Uh, because uh, not only is that person the president of the Deontay Wilder fan club, but apparently this person is the president of the Clarissa Shields fan club. So apparently he he does not <laughs> like Clarissa Shields slander on, on this podcast. I don't know why. I'm I'm just okay. We can, no, that's cool. That's great. So, so, uh, so you're the president. So you're the president of the Clarissa Shields, uh, Shields, whatever her name is, fan club, right? Yeah. So, um, you probably been following, you know, me and her back and forth on Facebook, blah blah, mm-hmm. last, you know, within the past week or whatever, right? Mhm. Right? Did you see yeah. that video that she posted? You did. I, I saw a, a piece of it. Okay, so you saw the video. You saw the video. Yeah. So you saw the video she posted. All right, so look, this is, I'm going to say a few things I'm done. Um, if I want to show my fans something, like my fans, I'm going to show the best the best part of that, the best part. You put that up? You put that up, girl? What was you punching? <laughs> you wasn't. We was up and up. We was up and up. And when you was throwing your little combos, you was hitting air, honey. Like, what was you doing? So she tried to make it seem like she was so superior. You're not. Superior where? Your body language was good. But I saw that in that, in that, your body language. That's it. But other than that, we was up in that blah, blah, blah. I was team blue. I was in the blue corner. You saw it. So what did you have to, what did you have, what did you think about that? That little round that she put up, Mr. Um, Mr. Top Fan. Listen, I, I don't like to uh, put two black women against each other. That goes against what I believe in, okay? I, I'm a fan of Clarissa Shields, there's no doubt about it. But I also want to um, root for and support uh, up-and-coming female fighters because I think it's very important that guys like me, guys like JR, guys like uh, Terrell, that we all promote the women's boxing game, because honestly, I don't think women get the respect that they deserve in the, in the sport, you know, so yeah. I'm not going to speak on the actual video because it's not important. What's important is that, listen, maybe you guys' paths are going to cross uh, in the pros. I think that really depends on your, not just your, your management and your promotional team. I actually think it depends on you. I think you're going to have to put yourself out there more to promote yourself because, I think going forward, Clarissa Shields is only going to fight, like, if it's not a fight for a title where she can make some type of history, I think it's going to be a fight with a huge built-in storyline. Now, although I know, and you know, okay. JR okay. knows, All right. the storyline okay. that you guys okay. have, a lot okay. of people don't know it. Exactly, exactly. A lot of people don't know it. So, so basically, like, what I'm doing right now, so basically, like, what I'm doing right now, 
I'm basically like trying to just, you know, do that. I'm trying to do that. Like our storyline is amazing. 2012 fought in the finals in Olympic trial in Olympic trial. 2016 Olympic trial. I was a training partner for both. And then 2020, my fight gets overturned in the middle of the night. So that's an amazing storyline. It is going to happen. The fight is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And it don't even matter. Like, in this fight, you don't even have to pick a set. Or, you know what I mean? You just sit there and just watch and just admire, you know? Well, I can't wait to see you in action. Yeah, and I'm a sweetheart. Like, I might might come off, you know, uh, turned up right now, but... I mean, I've been doing like you know I did like a few interviews today and everything. So like, in coronavirus and blah blah blah. But once you get to know me and like follow me more and like follow my journey, you'll like really, you know, I'll unpeel and you'll really get to see me and really get to see what's up. So yeah, I think that once once that uh, particular fight happens, I think uh, brother uh, Matt will will have his eyes covered. Uh, you know, with his hands, <laughs> once, once that first bell went. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, nah, but I do want to know your thoughts. I do want to know your thoughts on that on that one little round that you posted. Like, what are your thoughts? Honestly, I thought that you both looked good. I didn't think exactly that's right because you know, at the end of the day, like she's who she she's is, and it wasn't yeah, exactly. that a big of a margin. Yeah, she she's Clarissa Shield. So thinking from a casual boxer's fair fair perspective, nobody knows who Tika Hemingway is yet, right? But we know who Clarissa Shields yeah. is. So if Clarissa Shields posts a video of you two going at it, I'm expecting to see her wash you basically, and that's not what we saw in the video. So it did make me exactly. And guess, and guess what? And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? That's the video that she posted. That's the yeah. one that she favored. That's the one that she looked the best. The rest of them show otherwise. She throws she throws those little stupid common those little fast little machine gun, bah, those little punches or whatever. But when she was doing that, when she does that with me, what do I do? I use my footwork. I use my movement. And she was punching air, and it just shows that I'm good like and I'm I'm just I'm just ready I'm just ready and I'm just ready I'm ready to be out here but what kind of timeline are you working on to get like you know your first title shot what um what what like what kind of timeline are you are you looking to get your first title shot like are you looking to do that like yeah you want to know something um yeah we trying we trying to get something ASAP for real to be honest we're trying to get some ASAP. I don't want too many. I don't want to like talk too logistics because we definitely have plans. But we're definitely trying to get a title ASAP, and then go down and get a title ASAP, and then go down and get a title ASAP. So as soon as we um start, you know, boxing, since so I have my first fight, we're gonna just hit the ground running and try to stay as busy, busy as possible, and stay like vigilant as possible. And I mean. I, I I want Clarissa. I beat everybody else. I'm gonna beat them all the pros, but I, I want her, and I want the decision. I want Jan Ray. I beat her many times before. I never got the decision. I want the official decision. So that's why this fight is so meaningful, and that's why the fans 
We're all fucking talking about it. I ain't, I'm nobody, right? But why am I calling you now? Because I'm somebody. I'm here now. Mm. There it is. There it is. Like, and like you said, I mean, you, you know, you're starting there with uh, split team management. <clears throat> and um, yeah, they, they'll be able to, you know, put you in the position to, you know, kind of showcase your skills uh, out there and, um, you know, once you do have that particular uh, path to fight for a world title, they'll be able to get you ready uh, for that. You know, I'm pretty uh, sure that they'll you be able to do that for you. You want to know something? I'm destined. Yeah, I know. Split is, is definitely amazing. And I have a, I have a good manager. Um, this is why I know I'm going to be successful. You want to know why? It's crazy. I know I'm going to be successful because I work hard. I got the skill. My heart is clean. And I don't know, my attitude is on point like I just Y'all better keep on watching. Oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have a you know eye on you, and then um, you know once you know you have your first uh, fight uh, there as a professional, we'll be able to you know um, push that out because uh, we're gonna be following you on Facebook. We're gonna be following you on Facebook. Until we get the other yeah. social media things yes. on point, so we're yeah, gonna be following you on Facebook, yeah. and then uh, we'll work on the other no things else. and get that going. Um, anyone else? Yeah, I'm giving them my. I'm giving that to them. Anyone else have questions for Sister Tika Hemingway here? Yeah, uh, I want to know what's the first thing. What's the first thing you're going to do once uh, this lockdown is over? Oh, my God. I want to know. I want to Probably, like, I want to eat. I want to eat. <laughs> That's what I want to eat. I don't care. I'm going to eat, and I want to drink with it. Like, a good one, like a Mai Tai. I don't care. And then, um, Guys, to also see 
and I want to be the, uh, be one of the spectators and fans and uh, consume a good professional product. So not about causing no drama. We're all positive people here, which I know we can all attest no to. No drama, so. but who's pretty? Good? Who's pretty? Good? Who's pretty? Good? Like, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But yeah, no, I totally understand that. But you can look at my Facebook, and I think that uh, interview earlier, you can like tell me who's pretty later, not on air. Right? I'm just joking. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, but it was a great yeah, yeah, Terrell, I brought up a good point there as far as, like, you know, having, you know, all the ones that you, you know, have, uh, you know, gone up with in the amateur ranks with. Uh, you know, I kind of, like, ran through it with uh, Franchon Cruz Azern, with Tiara Brown, uh, with Raquel Miller, uh, among others uh, there that, you know, we fought, we, that we follow, we currently follow uh, there. So, you know, once you turn pro, you're pretty much going to be, you know, part of that same class that came up around that time, 2012 and 2016, that, you know, are going to, you know, have their time as far as, like, being uh, in the top of the uh, boxing uh, ranks uh, there. And then, like I said, soon enough, you'll be able to fight for and become a world champion. Yeah, I'm excited. I believe I'm trying to at the right time, too. Like, like this, this is – everybody made it good. Everybody has belts. Everybody made it warm. Everybody made it hot. You know, now, they have a lever. I just sit on it. Uh, that didn't sound right. That didn't sound right at all. <laughs> but, you, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You got me. So, so I, I, mean, I thank you uh, very much for uh, coming on uh, to uh, this particular podcast and look forward to, you know, having you on. Uh, in the future, and you know, once we uh, get things going, and uh, you do have that announcement uh, for your first fight, then uh, we'll be sure to uh, get in contact with you so that you'll be able to talk about that fight and uh, promote that fight. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Let's fix that social media starting tonight. <laughs> what you say? What I you said say? fix that social say? media starting tonight. Oh my god! I know. I'm giving. I'm giving. Cause you know what? Cause my they they want they want my Twitter. They want my Instagram. And they want it so bad. They, they contact me every few days. They keep asking for my my um, password and stuff. But like, I don't. People you'll be sending me messages on Instagram, and I don't know. But I'm gonna give them my. I'm I'm giving it away. They can have it. So, I got that. But it was nice talking to you guys tonight. Oh, we oh thank you. The pleasure was all ours. Yeah, Jeffy, yeah. stay safe, stay clean. Oh, you already know. Yep. Yep. Stay okay, keep in touch. Text me, call me anytime. Okay. All right, no doubt, no doubt. All right, bye. That was... uh. Sister Tika Hemingway there. She will be uh, a, a pro uh, soon. They're under split team management. Um, so, like I said, follow her on Facebook right now, Tika Hemingway. Just look her up on Facebook, uh, Tika Hemingway. Um, we have, like, a, about a couple more minutes uh, here on the live telecast. If you want to talk boxing, um, want to 
call in at 347-237-5539. Right now, since I have, like I said, the president of the Deontay Wilder Fan Club and the president of the Clarissa Seals Fan Club on, uh, Mr. Matthew Brown, I think there was something that was on your mind about a specific boxer um, that has been in the boxing scene over the past few weeks in reference to his supposed reluctance to fight somebody. So could you break that down for us, please? Let's talk about the most protected figure in boxing, the patron saint of boxing. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of blowback for even mentioning his name. Let's talk about Vasily Lomachenko. Okay, um, Lomachenko allegedly was supposed to fight Teofimo Lopez to uh, unify the 135-pound division. We saw back in December uh, when Mikey Conlon fought Vladimir uh, Nicotino, I think his name was, um, Lopez, uh, the manager for Lomachenko, who's Idris Klimas, uh, basically, after Conlon rightfully got the decision against his fighter, basically said that Lomachenko is never going to fight in New York because uh, he was upset at the decision. Um, we're not coming back to New York. I'm never letting Lomachenko fight in New York again. Now, we know that a Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez fight would make sense nowhere but New York. Um, Lopez is from Brooklyn. Uh, Lomachenko has drawn a decent crowd at the theater in Madison Square Garden in New York. So it just makes sense that that fight would be there. Now, he already planted the seeds back in December. We not fighting there. And it piqued my interest because I'm like, hey, why are you talking about this all of a sudden? Like Lomachenko has a fought in New York before, one decision's in New York before, one fight's in New York before. Okay, whatever. Put that on the back burner. The fight allegedly is about to be signed, right? What happens to coronavirus? We know what happened. Uh, it's a big pandemic. Obviously, you're not going to blame Lomachenko for that. But the news comes out that Lomachenko wants a tune-up fight before he fights Teofimo Lopez. Why the hell would Lomachenko want to take a tune-up fight before he fights Teofimo Lopez? Can anybody explain that to me? Well, I would like to go back to like what you were saying in reference to that fight card which contained Mick Common versus uh, Nicotina and the fight between Teofimo Lopez and Richard Comey as a co-feature to Crawford against Cavalioskis. And Igis Climus's comments after that was kind of, you know, suspect. Because like you said, Vasilomachenko has basically made a semi-home over in Madison Square Garden, having, you know, those couple of events that are out there at MSG. And, you know, he's pulled those good, you know, pretty good crowds there at the theater at Madison Square Garden. So it's like, why in the world would you 
pull that away when you had actually was uh, he fought like since 2016 he fought Roman Martinez he fought Rigo he fought Linares and he fought Pedraza at MSG you know and that fight against Linares was you know a very good fight uh, there at MSG and now you want to potentially take that away that's one that's suspect and then like you said um, now they want a tune up fight before fighting Teofimo Lopez Uh, well before this whole thing with the COVID-19 or coronavirus was going on they were supposed to have that fight signed there was supposed to have been a date locked down for that fight right But even before all of this happened in the United States, they didn't have any date set, lockdown, reserved for any venue for that particular fight. So it's not like, oh, uh, like, for example, the thing with um, Jose Ramirez and Victor Postal, like that fight was signed, sealed, and they had a date, original date of February 1st, and they had to push it back, and then they had another date for it, and then I was canceled. But with Lomachenko and Lopez, they never had a date. So if they never had a date, then nobody could wait. No, I'm just kidding. Um, That they really didn't necessarily want to go for it with this fight. And Remember, the the talk around the boxing circles or the so-called rumor mill was that after Lomachenko had his fight with Teofimo Lopez, win or lose, he was going to go down to 130. So if he was if his plan was to go down to 130, that must mean that he really sees what's going on there at 135 with all of those young guys lurking around there. And they're, and they're chomping at the bit to be the first one to kind of get at Lomachenko because mm-hmm. Lomachenko has that name and that pedigree. So they'll be like, oh, I'm the, I'll be the first one to, you know, hurt and stop Lomachenko. So I don't know if Lomachenko and his team want that to basically happen over there at 135 pounds. That's what I'm thinking. How about you? I I, I think it's it's just little bits and pieces of information, but it's starting to add up. We saw the situation with the WBC belt with Devin Haney, Lomachenko, his team, they decided to vacate the title rather than fight Devin Haney. That there's no ways about it. You know, you can have the media try to spin it. They can try to say that Devin Haney is not a legitimate champion. You know, they can try to promote whatever they want to promote. The fact of the matter is Lomachenko's team asked for the franchise designation, so he doesn't have to have the mandatory obligation against Haney. And that's exactly what he got. So it's starting to add up, man. Like, Lomachenko had no problem fighting Luke Campbell. You know, he had no problem fighting the Jose Pedrazas of the world. 
the Jason Sosas of the world, the Mariagas of the world, the Walters. He has no problem doing that. But now all of a sudden, when you have these young lions that are blue chippers, because make no mistake about it, Haney's a blue chipper. Teofimo Lopez is a blue chipper. Now that you got these blue chippers basically showing this guy no respect, saying, hey, listen, we'll fight you. We don't give a damn. We will fight you. All of a sudden, Lomachenko, mm, I don't know. I don't, so I'm not listening. I'm not, I'm not saying nothing, but I'm just saying it's starting to add up. Um, yeah. So I, I, I hadn't heard about that part where Lomachenko said he wanted a tune-up. I don't know, was that recently? I'm not sure. But even just going back to uh, when uh, Tilfimo beat Richard Comey, and that point, uh, he already, him, him and his father already had eyes on fighting uh, Lomachenko. And it's kind of funny. Uh, when, you, when you look at back at the brief professional career of Lomachenko, uh, his first coming in, uh, losing to Salido, being Gary Russell Jr., things like that, and going on to beat a, 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 a litany of other opponents, right? We know that. And at this point, he said, once he got to 135, his statement was like, I want to unify the division. So look at the landscape of, the, of 135 at the point when he first said that. So there's no – so Lomachigo – I'm sorry, Atil Fimo did not have a title belt at that point. Uh, he also had a fight where he struggled a bit, a bit against uh, one of the opponents back then. I think it was a uh, – Japanese guy, whatever the guy's name is, somebody. Yeah, like that. Nakatani was his name, I think. Yeah. Yep. So, so at that point, 135 was not uh, what it is today because today, 135 is on the cusp of being the best division in boxing. I mean, you can, you we we are we already know about the heavyweight trio. Uh, that's uh, at that point, that's been settled at this point now with Wilder having a finally lost, Fury sitting to the top, and Joshua is where he's at. And we already know all the stories about 147 with Crawford. Spence, Danny Garcia, Pacquiao, we know all those names. But at this point, 135 is probably the, probably the best division in Boston in, in terms of the fights, the talents, and the matches that we could, that we could possibly get in, in that regard. So at that point, back then, like the 135, it was okay. It was okay, you know. But now 135 is likely going to be the hottest spot in boxing. And if Lomachika truly said that he wanted a tune-up now, <laughs> that is – Totally laughable, and you guys already know uh, he don't want that smoke. He does not want that smoke because at this point, with the COVID nineteen outbreak, everyone is on is on hiatus. Everyone is on on break, so it's up to you to keep yourself in shape. And you look at Lomachenko, and he's he's not a big one thirty five pounder. He's not. He he, he can fight at the at the weight class, but he's not big, so he's not gonna be getting out of shape like that. So what do you need to tune up fight? So this is the guy where you you said. You trained uh, for years and years for this opportunity, so many amateur fights. Your father trained you in, in the arts art of dance and things like that. So you're not going to need a tune-up fight. You're always in shape for the most. You see what I'm saying? So you just need to stay in camp, in camp keep your, your boxing and skills sharp. So once again, what do you need a tune-up fight for? I mean, aside from that, if, if, if that's true, it just simply means they weren't scared. Because, I mean, really, uh, we knew about uh, uh, Lopez when he was a prospect, prospect of the year, a few years back. We know that, but at this, for real quick, this guy has exploded onto the scene, <laughs> and it's a certain force we reckon with that that he's going to be real soon that nobody wants to fight because he he said himself that 
if he is the unified 135, he's probably going to 140 next after that. So, but but mm-hmm. bottom line, Loma Chica doesn't want that smoke. That's all it is. That's that's all it is. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's uh, like these sharks are out there in the water and they smell blood and. and and uh, this, like, uh, Lomachenko wants to get himself out of that water and get get to some other, you know, some other body of water or something over 130 because, you know, like you're saying, man, you got Teofimo out there, you got Devin Haney, and the whole thing that, you know, Bob Aaron arranged with the WBC on that. Um, <clears throat> now you got, you know, Ryan Garcia that's now rolling with, uh, Eddie Reynoso uh, there, so we're going to be seeing how he's going to develop uh, as a fighter under the tutelage of Eddie Reynoso. Um, and, you know, there's a few other guys that are out there. I mean, you got, you know, Tank Davis that's floating around at uh, lightweight or, you know, super featherweight, but he, you know, has one version of a lightweight title uh, as well. And, you know, there's a few other young cats that are out there right now that, um you know, that wants to have that chance to fight uh, Vasil Lomachenko. So now it's like Lomachenko might want to have, like, a light touch or something like that, like find a, I don't know, man, like a, um, who, who who they got here as a contender, like a James Tennyson or something like that. Uh, you know, oh, have my a God. voluntary defense. <laughs> <laughs> James Tennyson. Yo, that would be funny, yo, if you would fight James Tennyson. <laughs> for 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 you know, for for uh, uh um a voluntary defense before going up against Teofimo Lopez, man. And Teofimo Lopez said, like, man, nah, man, I I ain't, I ain't fighting in front of no fans, man. I want to have the fans in the seats when I fight. So he's like, yo, I don't want to hear nothing. I want Vasilomachenko ASAP. Let's get it. You know, that's, that's, that's how Theo uh, Primo is right now, uh, that he, he wants to go ahead and get that fight going uh, there. So uh, that's what they have on that, man. Um, now, the one other thing that I was uh, going to bring up, but I don't like everybody talks about it, man. And I'm like, what is it, only like, what, 30 seconds or something? And I'm like, you know, I've seen this 30 seconds for like, you know, at least 100 times already. I mean, it's Mike Tyson. Uh, he's throwing combinations. And, I mean, it's just, you know, him doing him. I mean, that's always been in, that's always been in Mike Tyson. So, for me, it's not that much of a surprise as long as he is able to keep himself in shape and all of that. He's been doing that for, you know, a good little while as far as, like, doing the things with punching and stuff like that because he has been teaching uh, a couple of uh, MMA fighters um, to a certain extent. So he's been doing that for a good little while. But now they're, like, having, like, rumors of him possibly – you know, fighting in exhibition matches and things like that. So, I don't know. I mean, he, he's there at, what, 53 years old or something like that? He's 53 right yep. now? So, I mean, hey, if uh, Paul Vizzetta, if Vizzetta Holyfield 
could have an exhibition match with who? Big Brahmi or somebody? <laughs> hey, if he could have an exhibition match with Mitt Romney, then I don't know. Maybe Mike Tyson could, uh, you know, get somebody else in the in the ring out there. I don't know what Bernie said. No, nah, not Bernie Sanders. They wouldn't be able to prove that. <laughs> Bernie Sanders. We've seen Bernie Sanders boxing skills. <laughs> <laughs>
if they do fight. But I want to see it for the simple fact that I think that this fight can generate a ton of revenue, and I think that this fight could be what puts boxing back in the mainstream, and it'll be a huge payday for Tyson, who we know what happened with him and his career financially with Don King. We know he, he lost $300 million, basically. So this would be a huge payday for one of our heroes growing up, one of the guys who um, made the sport of boxing so exciting, and it would be just a nice little retirement gift after Deontay Wilder comes to the Holocaust. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, I, I shouldn't expect no, no different than what you just gave. I, I should already <laughs> know what you're going to say. <laughs> you are truly, truly the fan of the Deontay Bomb Squad fan club. After that, you have to give an answer. But, uh... <laughs> But but I mean but you're right though. For one, the fight uh, with Wilder Tyson that would generate a ton of revenue. <laughs> and, and first thing first, when I'm, I'm I tell you what, when Don King saw that the video of Tyson training recently, what do you think he thought? I want a piece of the action. I want to get back in the game. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> he was that's when he still had some paperwork on Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he tried to find out if he. Uh... He's he's trying to dig up that contract to see if he still has rights. <laughs> <laughs> back in the game, got to sit back at the table. But for, for, for really, really though, it's like uh, that was happening. That that fight would definitely generate a, a ton of pay per view money. Uh, definitely, definitely would end up in in Las Vegas. We know that. Uh, that that would be a phenomenal story of redemption and comeback for him to come back and fight uh at fifty three. 54 years old against uh, Deontay Wilder. And what's kind of funny, he, say for example uh, that that uh, uh, Fury does go and fight uh, Joshua and uh, Wilder gets steps, steps out of money, same thing for Puglia, right? And Wilder could actually do something different, do the same thing that Fury did to him, step, step away from that and make his own pay-per-view mm-hmm. pay-per-view event with Tyson. <laughs> the same thing that uh, Fury did to him. But uh, really, uh, we already know Tyson's a great boxer. At this point, we've never seen somebody come back at this type of age. But at the same time, boxing is ingrained within Tyson. It's in his DNA. He's been doing it so long, as we saw in that video clip. And albeit it's just one video clip, and we know that it's just not no one throwing punches back at you. But once again, mm-hmm. boxing is a part of Tyson as much as uh, Tyson is a part of boxing. We know that. <clears throat> but Wilder ain't knocking knock no Tyson out. <laughs> Matt, you must still be on on, on April the twentieth on on uh, Kush Day. <laughs> you smoke good on April. so funny. <laughs> now, my thing, man. I mean, here here it is. You know Tyson's Twitter page, and he posts the video up. It's five seconds, right? Here it is about two days later, 8.5 million views. Oh, that my you, God. Oh, my that God. Tells you, <laughs> and, and the amount of, let me see, let me see, let me see, um, almost 30,000 retweets. And, you know, some of the, 
you know, most known people around have retweeted this particular video. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it won't even, like, take a week for that thing to be 10 million views. But to go into, you know, the possibility of him fighting Deontay Wilder, um, to kind of, like, set that potential fight up now, what was it, a couple of weeks ago, Deontay Wilder was on the PBC podcast, and he said that on the podcast, in the second fight between him and Tyson Fury, that he injured his right arm. And so, with that being said, he had surgery on that arm, and he can't really do full contact um, training with that arm until the end of May. So with that being said, uh, he would have to go from scratch starting in June. You have June, July, August. And if they're supposed to plan for this fight to happen on October 3rd, that means he would have to be in training in August when he's just getting things back together for you know, his right arm. Now, if he's not necessarily fully ready for that, then they can't have that fight on October 3rd. And then on top of that, you have Bob Arum saying that, oh, man, the fight of this magnitude, you have Fury Wilder 3. It has to be in an arena with all the fans there. We just can't have it in a closed-circuit place where nobody is able to attend the event. We're not just going to have it like that. It's that simple. So, with that being said, they could potentially have Fury versus Joshua on one side, and then, you know, whether it's exhibition or not, Mike Tyson, Deontay Wilder in Las Vegas, or, you know, yeah, it's got to be in Las Vegas, so, and you would just have Mike Tyson back, like, Imagine if they made it the the instant they would make it official, it would say Mike Tyson is back. Like that's all they have to say. Mike Tyson is back. And it's a wrap. It's basically a wrap. So if you can have that and like you said, Matt, give Mike Tyson the right amount of money, you give Deontay Wilder the right amount of money, then it's you know, it'd be on like popcorn. Uh, with that, mm-hmm. so, and then, to top it all off, I've said this in a YouTube video that I posted earlier today. I said with Deontay Wilder being in rehab over in, over in his home, I'm like, folks are talking about, you know, George Foreman reaching out to him as far as like his uh, third fight between him and Tyson Fury, but George Foreman ain't the only one. Evander Holyfield may have stopped by to talk with him. And with that, you might have something to where if he has Evander Holyfield under his wing, like Wilder said in the podcast, he said that he was going to add a couple more people on his team and Mm -hmm. kind of weed out a couple of others that have been with them. Uh, to kind of get rid of the snakes, as he says. So maybe if he has a Vander Holyfield there with him, 
he may be able to work on a little bit more with his defense and up in like learning how to catch punches because that's what Evander Holyfield did in his day um, very well. He turned his opponent's punches and he was catching a lot of their punches too. So if he could work on that and, and, and come up with counters off of that, then that could really show vast improvement um, with Deontay Wilder. And so if that does happen, I would like to see how that turns out uh, for Wilder in a potential or in a rematch against Tyson Fury um, there because there's been, you know, a couple of instances where Deontay Wilder has been able to get to Tyson Fury as long as he's been able to be a little bit more confident in other punches that he throws, not just the right hand, uh, but the left hook and his left jab. So if he's able to work on that a little bit more and have more confidence in that, then we may see, you know, a good amount of improvement from Deontay Wilder in that case. No, that's true. I, I wonder why Deontay Wilder doesn't throw a lead right a lead right hand more, you know. Like, I think what Deontay Wilder should be doing right now is oh. just soaking in all the knowledge he could get from all the OGs. He needs to continue to reach out to Foreman, Holyfield. He needs to reach out to, to Floyd. Let's just get, it, get, get something in the arsenal other than the left hook right hand combination. He, he got to get something in there. Well, well question for well, great, great point. Which real quick, so we we saw Fury just went back to, went went back to a crunk gym and uh, got uh, I forgot the guy's name that uh, trained him, the black guy from uh, Sugar Hill. From the, uh, Sugar Hill right, they, and, and was able to make an adjustment in the in the last fight. So if Fury can do that. Why can't Wilder do that? I mean, at this point, this guy has what forty, forty one, forty two fights, whatever it is, and on top of that, you've been in training camps, sparring sessions, training camps over the years. At that point, even even if you don't like boxing, being that he's been in boxing all that time, at at some point you have to learn. You have to learn. Your body has to adjust, and something has to click in your mind because you do this for a living. You do this for a living, and you you and that that's what befunks me so much about water. And I'm I'm not I'm not a Wilder hater. Because if you guys go back a long a few a period to be everything that he wants to be in the sport, but but because of the lack of the of the lack of the boxing ability that we see the natural boxing ability, it, it has hindered him time and time again until we got to this point where we're at right now. But it's, it's like I said, after being in boxing so long, it's like you guys think you, know, you guys know in your daily profession, you guys been doing your your job so long. It's like clockwork. It's like clockwork and things like just clicking your head. To know to do things naturally and to progress and to get better, but we we haven't seen that yet, and that's what's so frustrating. Even that, even that you just said, uh, you hope that he's soaking in knowledge from all these other people uh, that's been in the, in boxing for a long time, your performance people like that. But it, it, he's been in that. He's been in that. He's already had that. So <laughs> I'm not trying to be mean to the dude, but I I, I think he he always will be he is what he is. Uh, a heavy right-handed boxer. We know that. Uh, with with little to no boxing ability, just, it is what it is. You don't think JD well, has 
uh, impact on what you feel like is a lack of development with Wilder? You don't think maybe if they let another guy uh, get in there with a more versatile uh, training arsenal that that's not going to help Deontay Wilder, who's a natural athlete? I am optimistic. I'm always I'm a, I'm a very optimistic person, but like I said, with so much experience that he's had, we still get the same thing. Which and, and at what at what point what does he count? At what point does he he throw that boom popping jab? At what point does he, he he keep this height? Boom boom stick boom move around the ring. What, when does he win? When when am I going to see it? Well, in his defense, he did get punched in the back of the head in his last fight, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, my thing is, um, and it keeps it keeps getting brought up in reference to Deontay Wilder, is that if he was really under the tutelage of Mark Breland, then we may have seen or may be able to see what Deontay Wilder could do as a six foot seven guy uh, around two twenty two twenty five uh there with power and and utilize you know that reach and that power behind the right hand, so the thing is is like yeah, you do have a right hand, but you gotta find other ways to catch you know people with more experience with their right hand. you can't just you know go against guys that are much shorter than you and or don't have the reach to where you could use that reach in order to keep them at bay with your left hand or to par away at their guard with your left hand and then come down the pipe with the right. Now, you can't necessarily do that against guys that are your height or taller uh, that have that reach. So, and you've seen in that second fight, I mean, in, yeah, in that second fight early, that he, tried, he was throwing that right hand, but he threw it at full extension. So, he didn't necessarily get the full power that he wanted to from his legs that, to his torso up to throw that right hand. So when it did touch Tyson Fury, it didn't really affect him as much as, you know, people would think it would. So he has to work on setting up traps for that right hand, um, you know, in, in this uh, preparation time before he has the third fight uh, with Tyson Fury or, Maybe potentially a fight with Mike Tyson, but it's something that remains to be seen. Uh, we'll see what happens here over the next four to eight weeks. Um, how his uh, progression goes as uh, his right arm gets uh, fully healed. So you do have that. Um, that you know is pretty much what I wanted to talk about in this particular episode of the Boxing Source Radio Show um, next week. I'm uh, going to plan to have another guest on, uh, Steve Nelson. Uh, they're from uh, Nebraska. So we're planning on having him on the show next week. And then also I want to see if I can uh, have like a, a fifth anniversary style uh, show as part of that. Um, it's been five years since I've started the Boxing Source radio show. So I'm going to have like a, you know, a period of reflection as to, you know, what I've been doing over those five years. So be on the lookout for that uh, there. So um, be sure to, like, catch that uh, show live, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time 
uh, Blog Talk Radio or catch the podcast on Anchor.fm or iTunes or Google Podcasts and whatnot. Um, and like I say, at the end of every show, folks, the point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody. Bomb squad, baby. Later.